Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cannon Side Chats, your favorite football podcast. As always, I'm your host, Quentin, and I'm joined today by the prestigious left foot of Michael Beckett. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing great. Four for Vieira, baby. That's right. And I'm also joined by the imposing presence of Mr. Cannon Side Chats himself, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Can't complain, like Beckett said. Um, big win for Patrick Vieira there. And uh, sounds like Beckett had a great birthday last night. Oh, yeah. A little bit of horse. Voice is he, still recovering, for sure. He does sound a bit hoarse. But like that horse, we're going to ride that energy from that 4-1 victory over Crystal Palace straight into the podcast. Try to feed off some of those good vibes we're still got and discuss what's kind of been an up and down week since our last recording. Un- unfortunately, we go out of Europa League on penalties, but a really good bounce back today from the team and the man who missed a penalty in the shootout, Mr. Martinelli, as well. As I said, we're going to approach this a little differently. Instead of taking some time to digest a performance and do some analysis, we're just going to ride the wave of that performance straight in. But before we get into it, I just want to slightly mention what Beckett said. I imagine the team talk goes down. Arteta's in the locker room. Then right as he was about to walk out, he turns around very Aragorn-like outside the black gate and says two words for Patrick. And that just did it. After that, there was no way we could possibly possibly lose that game. Um, but before we get into it, let's talk first things first. What did you guys make of the team selection today? Anyone have any nerves without the big man, William Sleva, back there? Yeah, a little bit. And we talked about it last night, what we thought they might line up with. Um, definitely glad Martinelli got back in. But we haven't seen holding in the Premier League all season. Um, but... So I was a little nervous. We talked about maybe different options and Shanko going to the right and playing center back. But, you know, if Arteta's good to pick him, then he's good enough to play. And he's been here for years. He knows the system. So we let it ride and see what happens. Yeah, no, I thought this was definitely a more practical and probably likely scenario that Arteta was going with. Um, just because you don't change as much. But, yeah, we were talking about possibly shifting the black back line around a little bit more but um at the end of the day i thought holding did did pretty well there are some moments there where he's not quite as cool as saliba but um i think he did the trick and it it definitely worked out for arteta here yeah you guys say holding i say holdinho he showed a few glimpses of that today with the little juggling flicks yeah obviously we're going to be nervous without saliba i think he's probably been one of the staple bedrock portions of the team along with your Jakas and your Sakas. So big miss. Obviously I was a little nervous thinking about how we were going to go into it. It affected my FPL decisions. I made, I did a wild card this weekend and had Gabriel in the back and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm, I'm really expecting a clean sheet without, without his partner in there. So switched it up, put Martinelli back in. Luckily that paid off within the first, first half. So you guys want to talk about that? Brilliant ball by Saka. Not sure if he really meant to go to Martinelli, but he gets it from one foot to the other and buries it in the far post. How are you guys feeling after that? Good? Oh, yeah. And he's shown that ability on his left foot a few times this season. Um, I'm confident in him going to his left anytime he takes it that way. If he's got to step on his defender, he's going to hit it either foot. Give it to him. That was a pill to the back of the net. So it was a great strike, great movement to get the ball over there. And, 
the goal was coming. We were all over him. So it was only a matter of time. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think Palace had a couple chances a little bit on the break there, too. So I was really happy that we could, you know, kind of step on their throat early um, and get out ahead because I think. Um, as we've been talking about all, the, all throughout this season, once we get that first goal, it tends to uh, put the game in, a, in the right direction for us. So, yeah, like you said, great left-footed shot. How important do you guys think it was that Martinelli was the one to get the first goal after what happened in the Europa League game on Thursday? I'm not – I don't think that he is necessarily super sensitive or in his head or anything, but just as a momentum standpoint, how important is it him or is it for him to get – you know, immediately right back off on the front foot after such a disappointment. I think that's when, like, acquisitions like Zinchenko and Jesus play a big part. You've also got Saka's had that situation happen to him with England, had to bounce back from that, and he's done it brilliantly. There's a lot of different mentalities in this squad that were there to help Martinelli, and that dude oozes confidence. It might have been a low moment, but after the game, he even says, he's like, you know, it's in the past. I can only do what I can do going forward. And Mikel said that he went and had a discussion with him yesterday. He's like, I want to be there. I want to be in the team. I want to I want to rebound. And uh, he just does it brilliantly, and you love to see it. He's just – just as 120 minutes on Thursday, misses the penalty, he could be so down, and he's just back out there again today all over it from the get-go. You just love to see it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think – I think from uh, even a team perspective, you know, you can talk about all the potential positives of getting knocked out of Europa and being able to focus on Champions League. But I think that we came out today and were able to, you know, get that first goal and then eventually get the win just kind of sets the team right back on um, the right pace and not let that that knocking out getting get into our heads and letting it falter and crumble into our Premier League season as well. So. I was super excited about that for Martinelli and for just the team as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And as you said earlier, it gets us on the front foot. We know how important the first goal is for us. When we go down, teams will just drop 10, 10 in the box, and it's, it becomes really hard to break down. So getting that first goal, super important. And it didn't take much longer for the second to come through off of some brilliant movement from Bukayo Saka. They could run us through through that little sequence there. Yeah, well, I mean, they highlighted it a bunch in the highlight package. It's just well, Zaha just not tracking back completely. And just ball comes across after an, another couple opportunities. As I said, we were all over him. Saka brings it back, and then he gets a step on Zaha. That's um, just Ben Weiss just standing on the ball, pulls him in. Um and then, yeah, just a brilliant finish from where he's at on the field. Um, just rolls it to the back of the net. And it was, it was just well done, well worked. Our passing sequences today were on the money. We were just zipping the ball right around him. And it's our performances lately, six in a row, but the same thing with Fulham. Fulham's no slouch either defensively. Uh, Crystal Palace has played most of their games recently of one-goal games. Um, they just haven't been able to score, and we're just picking picking teams apart. I, I Coming off of the Europa League game where we didn't see them do this, it's it's you can tell kind of that the focus really wasn't there as much, which you hate that they aren't focused for Europa League. But when you're this close 
on the Premier League and you're in this position, it's understandable. And they bounce right back in a Premier League game and they're just zipping the ball all over the place. And this was a great sequence for all the good things that Saka does. And I thought Ben White had a brilliant game um, going forward. And so it, was, it just highlighted a lot of good things that we've been doing lately. And it's a brilliant goal by Bukayo. Yes, definitely. Brilliant movement to check back on sides and to get running towards goal instead of paling off and away towards the touchline. Just brilliant finish as well. And it was well needed because, as you say, Palace aren't really a defensive slouch, though they haven't scored a, a whole lot. I think they were they hadn't scored in four games until this game. But that being said, they still looked dangerous, and they were they created quite a few moments where where they were really kind of testing us on the counter. I know Ramsdale made a huge save on Eduard, even though he was offsides. But the danger was still there. Zaha, even though I don't think he had his best performance today, he's always dangerous as well. You never know. It takes you know, three seconds for him to beat someone and score. So getting that second goal really, really, really helped ease the nerves, I think for me, probably for the team as well. Then straight back into it, second half, the main man, Jake's captain, gets on the scoreboard after missing a pretty similar attempt uh, in in a previous game. What a finish, huh, from Jaka? That looked like a striker's goal. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was it. Might have been an and one too. I think he got hit as he was going down and shot it. So yeah, you love to see it. You love to see Jaka scoring for uh, all the Arsenal fans, but especially Jake. Um, we know he's a, he's a big Granite Jaka guy after the redemption arc. Yeah, and I and that's a that's another brilliant sequence there, with up back and through to a T. I mean, Jaka's backed up against the the line defensive line touch off to Trossard, who just. Trossard has been monumental for us. And I, one of the stats they said after he plays Xhaka in, Xhaka gets his goal, is Trossard has has like six six assists since we, he joined us. Six assists in his last six games or something like that, whatever it is. And he had six assists in like 90 games for Brighton or something. So, And I was thinking about it right before this, how many times players like – when you look at other teams, could this player play on Arsenal? Sometimes I'm looking at it and I was like, well, years ago before he joined Paul, uh, Eduard, a lot of Arsenal fans wanted Eduard. Is Eduard's performances for Palace not as good because of just Palace? Think of those players put on a team like Arsenal. Trossard fits so seamlessly into Arsenal where he might not have been picking up assists before and he comes into this passing technical team and he just fits in so well that he's he's picking up assists, popping up all over the field, false nine, drifting out to the left, all over the place. So it's a great sequence for him. And Jaka just he's doing what he's done most of the season. And um it's just popping up in the box, getting his goal. And I love his celebration that he does for his daughter. Uh it's it's a it's a very good redemption arc for him, especially when he holds the trophy at the end of the season. Right. I agree hundred and twenty percent. Shaka just doing what he does. That's what you come to expect from him week in, week out. Now, not necessarily getting on the score sheet, but being involved in those areas um, in the buildup right around the outside of the box, making those driving runs. He's like a left-footed Aaron Ramsey at this point. Um, but yeah. as you mentioned with Trissard, I know Sam and I saw that stat and immediately we started commenting on on that and how effective he could have been. Imagine 
if he started his Premier League career with Arsenal, I mean, his numbers would probably be be drastically better. So, yeah, good to see him getting involved again as well. It really, really, really helps that we got him. Imagine if we we found ourselves in the same situation as we were last January where we didn't bring anyone in that could make a difference. Eddie goes down, hurt. Gabriel Jesus came on as a cameo today and, and looked pretty effective, but I don't think he's fully there yet. So, I mean, I don't even want to think about where we would be if we didn't go after Troussard in, in January. I agree. He's been huge. All right. Some, so moving on. I know we talked about it on the last pod. It's kind of been a common theme, but it's unfortunate. Palace hasn't scored in four games, and they break that streak against us on nothing other than a corner. Is this starting to become a worrying, worrying sign for you guys that 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 is just we just concede on these? Um, also, we we'd like to mention as well. Sam and I talked about it. The concession of that corner is not very great. It's. It's a ball that's probably outside the box, maybe 20 yards from the touchline, and Ben White comes flying in and just smashes it out for a corner kick instead of a throw or a tackle or anything. Um, him and Jacques are super pumped, and then we go into con- we go on to concede. Um, is this a, is it a worrying sign for you that that we just struggle to defend corners? Yeah, I definitely think it's a little worrying. But like you said, I love seeing Ben White. See, he had just had a great challenge on Zaha, and then. Him and Granite getting together, but right when he did that, I was like, "Why just boot it out for a corner? Like you can you can boot it out out on the sideline or anything." So the first problem is that concession, like you said. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously not a great corner goal to concede, but I, I'm not sure what what we what we can do differently to like start combating this issue that we clearly have of consistently conceding um, from corner kicks. So I, I'm not sure exactly what the answer. The ball kind of just falls to them, and um, they're first to react. And next thing you know, it's in the back of our net. So, um, yeah, I think just dealing with the first ball in um, is probably the best way to get rid of them. But, yeah, I don't know what the answer is right now. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I, I obviously it's a worrying thing. I think Mikel's a little worried about it, too. Made some comments about it after the game. But I I, I don't know. I Schlupp isn't even a tall guy. Like, if he's winning the header over someone that's different, if it's hitting him in the fucking dick and then he's putting it in the back of the net from that low, like, we just have marking problems. And I have a problem with zonal marking anyway, as we've previously discussed. Odegaard's guarding him, but if he gets a step, that's just another body in a zonal marker's way. And as you can see on this goal, he's in... Gabriel's way he can't really put a challenge in it's they're just I don't know there's it's definitely a problem and luckily we haven't I guess this part of the sporting result is from a corner the first game but we haven't been too burned by it to this point so there definitely needs to be some some plans to rectify the situation but um, at the end of the day, today, it doesn't really matter. So slightly worried going forward, but you just got to roll with it for a game like today. Do you think that it is a play style issue in the sense that obviously we want to play you know, pretty intricate football, keep the ball possession at the feet. In order to do that, you're going to need smaller technical players. There's not that many huge, huge guys that are 
are able to do to play like that. So is that do you think it's just going to be a concession that we're going to have to make? Like, hey, we're we're probably going to struggle defending corners, but if we clear it, we can keep this ball for three, four, five minutes afterwards. Yeah, and I, but I mean, it's we've talked about this with City too. You're going to concede some chances. the The point is to minimize a corner kick. Isn't is probably a chance at the end of the day that we would be willing, not willing to give up, but that's one that you could live with because you hope you could defend it. I just think teams are doing things with corner kicks and set pieces now that are it's it's they're getting better. Like set pieces are just huge advantage for a lot of teams, teams that aren't technical, as you said, um, that's, that's what they focus on. And we're good in the attacking box. So it's just not translating as well. I think part of it, I think the not this one specifically, but I think Ramsdale needs to have a higher starting position. And I think he needs to get to these balls that are around the six. The only one time have we had one go direct free kick into the goal from a corner and he was getting boxed out and it was, it was Douglas Luis, but that's not happening all the time. There's not many players who can do that. I think he needs to be a little higher and be a little more commanding, especially on the near post, because that's where your zonal marking is going to fall apart. If it goes over Ben White's head by a, a foot, there's no one where Schlupp is. So I, uh, this one, I'm, I'm not saying Bramsdale should have done anything better with it. I'm just, if he can be more aggressive, it can help us defending those when we have some smaller guys in the area. So you want Ramsdale to play goalie like he's playing FIFA 23? Is FIFA, that what you're telling yeah, me? Exactly. Yeah. Just I mean, go out and collect anything that's in the box, let alone the six. They play it back post all the way to the back corner and just run and catch it. He can't cover everything, obviously. Um, I think you can I think you can set yourself up where you're more protected with bigger guys in the back post and have there's a bunch of bodies front post because that's where the people flick shit on from. So there's always gonna be an opportunity to flick things on and you hope you can defend that. But if it's in in within the goal post in the six on that near post, I think he has to be commanding his area. Um and he's not the tallest goalie, so I'm not. He can't get to everything. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of ways that we could minimize these concessions on corners, but it's just a problem that we have. And maybe I assume they're working on it every week. So it's just as long as you can minimize the the damage done by them, like it's three goals up when you ha- when it happens. That's the end of the day, I guess that's your takeaway. <laughs> it doesn't matter today. Could matter tomorrow, but just work on it as much as you can. Yeah, kind of what, kind of going off what Beckett's saying though. I think because we are allowing so few chances from open play, I feel like when teams get corners, they're like, "All right, this is our chance. Like we got to make the most of this." And then I feel like that kind of feeds into us conceding from them a little bit more, just because teams don't have that much of a chance. Um, just throwing throughout the open play and the, the regular flow of the game. Right. I agree. Um, I spoke about it last, last podcast episode. I think that teams really since, since danger, whenever we concede. Also, I agree with you, Beckett. I think Ram still needs to be just a tad bit more aggressive. Um, I know it's come back to bite us earlier this season on a corner kick as well, where he goes out to try to try to catch and 
and fumbles and they score too. So just maybe just do the old old fashioned double fist punch, you know, just get something on it, get it out of the box, reset. We can defend on the ground probably almost as good as any team in the league. So if we can get it out of the box, minimize those chances, be quick to the ball, close it down, I think we'll be a little better. So hopefully that's something that they're working on in practice, Um, just services into the box like that, throw some dummies up there and just make Ramsdale go after it and go get it. But again, not much you can do in the end. It's a consolation goal, Um, ruins some people's FPL with the, with the clean sheet bonus, but at the end of the day, three points is all that matters. And we restore our three-goal lead not too much later, uh, thanks to a very, very nice cutback from from some of our favorite players, or at least I know a few of us. He's one of our favorite players, Kieran Tierney. How are you guys feeling see him get involved like that? Magnifique! It's good to see him get some action, um, and he's... I thought he would have played in Europa League, so it's good to see him get some action here and then immediately back on the score sheet, uh, assisting Bukayo. So um, I think good, good showing from him. Good, good to get some minutes under him too. So he kind of looked really comfortable, or a lot more comfortable than he has in that little Zinchenko role in the middle as well. Yeah, and actually, I mean, it's a little ahead, but whenever Party gets moved to the right, I, I just expected Tierney to be a natural left back and then party could float into the middle, but that's not really what happened. Tierney kept floating into the middle like Zinchenko. So I know that's probably not the most comfortable thing for Kieran Tierney to do, but it's good to see him at least just do it. That man just wants to be on the field at as much as he possibly can. And he's going to do anything he can to try and get there, even though that's a very big uphill climb because of how good Zinchenko has been, but uh, immediately comes on and, gets an assist. So what more can you ask from him? And a great yeah. finish from Saka as well. Great. Finish. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm so happy that Bukayo uh, rewarded him there with that beautiful one-time finish. Uh, but I mean, it always just brings a smile to my face seeing Kieran Tierney come on with the shirt tucked in. I mean, that just will never get old. Um, and if there ever does come a day where he's no longer on Arsenal, I will be extremely devastated because I'm so connected to that man. But he also had, uh, aside from the assist, he had a great recovery, too, where he just showed yep. great pace to, uh, I don't know if it was Zaha or Elise. Elise. It was Elise. That he, he tracked down. But, yeah, it was great to see him out there. And, yeah, great to see him get some minutes. Unfortunately, falling out of the Europa definitely doesn't hurt his case for minutes. But, um, yeah, it was great to see him. Yeah, 100%. And I'm really hoping, I don't know, I've been to Scotland once this year, didn't get to watch much youth or grassroots soccer, but I'm hoping Karen and Tierney is is a huge role model. And and next time I'm there, I see a bunch of, of young chaps out there playing with their shirts tucked in, no sleeves in 17-degree weather, going hard in the tackles, whipping balls with their left foot. Um, because, I mean, he just he just plays with such, such passion, such energy, a sternness about him. It's hard not to respect a player like that, just hard-nosed out there ready to do the dirty work and just just wants to play so yeah good for him glad to see him on the score sheet glad to see him get some extended minutes and and look comfortable out there Um, and that just about does it for for the game is pretty 
pretty dominant performance. Um, did you guys have, have any sort of concerns throughout the game whatsoever at all? Anything? No, not really. Zaha hitting the post early kind of makes you pucker up a little. But, uh, they, they I mean, it was a half chance. He had a good shot, which helped. But I think uh, Ramsdale yeah. got, a, got a little touch on that, too. So another really good save from him as well. Yeah. Almost had Emmy Martinez. Good. Almost had Emmy Martinez, though. Very close yeah. to Emmy Martinez' goal. Oh yeah, he woke up or he stood up and was like, "Oh, geez, that could have been terrible." There's nothing like a ball hitting you on the backside and going into your own net. I mean, that would just be terrible. But aside from Zaha and the couple few, because he ch- created another half chance as well at the near post. But yeah, other than that, really, really wasn't too too much to worry about in this game. So it was good, stress free Sunday morning for us. Yeah, like I said. Zaha, he he's going to be a danger anytime. It it only takes, you know, a few seconds for him to to get on the ball and create something. So nice to see that nullified. Thankfully, nothing come came to out of his performance today. Late in the game, we get to see Emil Smith Rowe back on the field. So nice to see him back in. I know we've been a bit worried just because he hasn't featured all that much. I'm I'm hoping that it's just. Just a confidence and lack of match fitness issue there. Jorginho as well comes on just to facilitate. And Jacob Kuvar gets his Premier League debut. Granted, only four or five minutes, but still good for him. Get back out there. He played, what, like 70-something minutes in the Europa League, our first tie. Looked decent enough on the ball. I just still think there's some defensive improvement to be done. But anything on, on any of those guys? Yeah, I mean Smith Rowe, it's he's coming back to fitness and it's these games are all such high pressure intensity games that when you can give him minutes when we're up four goal three goals, four to one, that's huge. Um and he obviously got big minutes in that Bournemouth game. But it's just it's it's so it's kind of a tight you have to walk to get some guys some minutes i mean jesus is still trying to get his fitness back uh which he gets 25 minutes so that's good um it's just when you can get him some minutes i mean you didn't viera didn't get to get on the field today but i think minutes for jesus and emile smith Monroe are probably more important morgan will be happy that viera didn't get on the field uh, she does not she does not approve i approve of him i'm a big Vieira fan. I mean, he's got a lot to learn. He's still in his first season, but I think the potential for him and what he could do is good. Um, and on I your point he... with Smith Rowe and getting match fitness, it's a shame that we're not Brighton and you know get drawn Grimsby Town in the FA Cup or something like that. I don't know how yeah. why we have to play against big sides, but what are you gonna yeah. do? Actually, yeah, but, but it's probably better right now to ha- not have played those right, games so right, we don't have right. fixture congestion. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just the the team is playing so well, too. It's just hard to even rotate unless you really have to. Um, I think Jesus is going to find it difficult to get back into a starting spot unless something happens. Um, He's looked Trissard, really good, though, in his, in his he cameos. Has, tr- He's I looked mean, really Trissard, dangerous. Trissard's playing extremely well, too. So it's just like you can't take guys out that are in such good form that are week in and week out six wins on the bounce it's just it's hard to rotate when you're playing that well 
um, especially now that we don't have another competition. Minutes are going to be few and far between for some guys that haven't had any. You really have to earn it. Um, it's going to depend on game state a lot of the time. So it's just I, I'm not I'm not fussed about it. When he gets players on, he gets players on. Other than that, it's, it's purely results, <laughs> purely results right now. I haven't seen anything about it, but is there any potential for Emil Smith Rowe to get minutes with the with like the the reserves or the the U twenty one team? Just try to get some minutes under his belt, uh, get him back into match fitness. Um, I feel like I saw that he played a half with them. Uh, maybe he didn't, but I know Kivior did to get some minutes before the Europa League game. I'm sure there there's opportunities for that. Uh, they'll just have to gauge it based on our fixture congestion, well, what would work. Because you don't want him to miss even being on the bench for our game because he played 60 minutes with reserves or something. But uh, you don't know. Uh, it's definitely an option. It's a good way to get some guys at least some minutes, some touches on the ball. Right. Well, let's move on from, from that. And let's go into a, a segment I've been thinking about. I was talking with Jake the other night. Shout out Jake, Jaka fan, Jaka jersey holder. We were talking just going through the, the squad and and kind of thinking about the summer and contract situations and transfer rumors and all of that. So I'm going to give you guys a few names. You tell me what you think the club should do, what you think the club will do in terms of keep, loan, sell, extend, that sort of deal. Sound sound fair? Fair. All right. First, do you we'll want to uh, do you want to do a recording of this or no? Um. Yeah, probably no. not. Let's just go. I look like someone shit on me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't feel like it. it. We can do a recording of it later sometime. But okay, we'll get into it. First up. Just because I've seen some rumors about U.S. team legends, in quotes, making some comments about it. But Matt Turner, does he need to move somewhere to get minutes in order to keep his spot in the U.S. national team? Is he worried about that? What do you guys think? What should the club do? What should he do? Sam, we'll start with you. I say we keep Matt Turner. Um, I like him a lot. From what his perspective, I don't think he would need to move on because it looks like we're definitely going to be in a European spot next year where he'll have ample opportunities to showcase his talents. And I think being at Arsenal is only going to improve his game because he's already a great shot stopper. And I think being with Arsenal and just the way that we play will help him to become much better with his feet, which will only help him down his career. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not sure if he'll actually be the Champions League goalie. Mikel's made comments in the past that he, especially for get, like Champions League, he wants his best team out there. Um, but he'll definitely get all the other cup games, and I'm sure if there's a Champions League game that we have a big game at the weekend, he might step into that. At least group stages, he could probably get that. So, I, I mean, honestly, for a U.S. perspective, he's a way better goalkeeper than he was even a year ago because of his ability to use his feet now where he didn't have that. So um, goalkeeper is one of those positions where I think practice is almost 
as valuable as a game. There's some game state situations that you obviously can't replicate perfectly. But I think for a goalie, a lot of the times practice is almost just as good as playing, and he'll still probably get 15 to 20 games, depending on how we do in cups and stuff next year. So I'd definitely keep him. Right. I'm on the same board. If it's not broke, don't fix it. He seems like a good guy in, in the locker room, in the clubhouse. Um, yeah. Perfectly competent backup. No worries when he comes in. So I agree as well. I'd only worry for his desires to maybe get minutes if if whoever is the next U.S. coach, which we'll talk about in a little bit, if they're wanting him to be a number one somewhere. But for Arsenal's sake, 100% keep. 100%. I mean, he he chose to come here knowing it was gonna. He probably wasn't gonna be number one, and I think doing so, getting himself better with his feet, for him, he might not have played as many games as he wants. But I don't think he, from his perspective, he would want to leave, especially after the season that we're having. Like, I mean, I understand you're not playing every game or most games, but. It's also very tough to, if we go on to win the title, to be like, yeah, I think I'm good now. I'll leave after winning the Premier League with this team. So um, I could, I don't even think we'll have a coach by the time next season starts for the U.S. team, national team. So hopefully they're not telling him to uh, leave. All right. So unanimous keep hold there. We'll move on to defenders. I'm going to exclude Kirwar. Obviously, we're not much to do there. We just got him. Uh, Saliba, obviously that's a prioritized contract extension, right? We're all in agreement there. Gabriel, obviously a rock at the back. Ben White, obviously mainstay. Zinchenko, obviously a mainstay. Which leaves us with one, Takahiro Tomiyasu. How do you guys feel about that? I Obviously, I loved Tomiyasu last year. He was immense for us on multiple occasions. But he struggled with some injury problems quite frequently during his time here. And I don't think him and Sock have formed the same sort of relationship that that he's formed with Ben White on the field. So what do you guys think about Tomiyasu? Is it is it time to part ways? Do you do you hold? What do you think? I'm keeping him all day. He's probably the first choice backup for every single one of our defensive positions. Uh at least has been for some most of the season. Um and I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk about some of our other defenders here in a second. But I just think he provides a lot of depth for all of the defensive positions. He has picked up some injuries, but he's been available for most of this season. Um, and I think his relationship with Sock is just something of they don't play together that often. It's, it's just hard to find those, that chemistry when you're not always like teamed up together. Saka's got a great relationship with Ben White, Noah Degard. They're always on the field together. Um, and Ben White's been a re- revelation at right back. So I do think he offers you some good qualities. And even if he's playing left back and defending Salah, like we've seen him do against Liverpool, it's the, his defensive abilities outweigh any slightly off connections with Saka. And I think you have to hold him for. Yeah, I agree. I think he's an absolute warrior and um, he's always given it all. I know the injury record is a little bit of a concern, but just like you said, his versatility and how he's pretty much both footed um, 
feet makes him uh, a pretty clear and good keep for me. But I think if we could get um, good value for him and able to replace him, then I think there's obviously always a time and place to um, do something of that nature as well. Right. I agree. His versatility, his versatility is, is almost irreplaceable. He can slot in at left back, left center back, right center back, right back pretty flawlessly. So obviously that's there. I know we were linked with that Spanish kid, like that 18 year old who, who we were looking at it right back, but I agree. Keep for the simple sake of he can play almost anywhere, which leads us to our next player a certain star from today's performance. I don't know if you want to call it star, but Rob Holding, or a.k.a. Holdinho. What do you guys think about Rob? Oh, good old Rob. The old last-minute reinforcements. I I think I'm going to say keep on Rob, and just not... Not for what he gives you on the field. I mean, he's a he's a capable backup, as we all know. He's definitely not going to be our long-term starter at any point in the future. But I think he's just got so much respect at the club and for the club that I think he's a great guy to have around and kind of be a leadership for our really young squad that we have right now. So I think for that purpose and for just kind of, you know, being a catalyst in the locker room and, showing people what Arsenal are all about. I think we, I think we hold on to Rob for a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that we'll probably get rid of Rob. And I think that's probably the right decision. I think that's the right decision for him too. Cause I think that he brings a lot of ability uh, in defense. If for a low block team, he's a box defender. That's what he does best. He's physical. He, he can protect the box and that's what we bring him in for. Usually he had a, I thought he played very well today. Um, especially when most people were probably concerned about him being in the starting lineup. So I thought he did pretty well. Um, and it's good to have him step up when Saliba's is out, but uh, you lose him. I do think we go after that right back. And then Tommy Asu's now your backup center back. Um, so I think that's another reason why you keep Tommy Asu we could possibly look to bring someone in free agent or something, another signing at center back. There's been a lot of rumors about that. I just think Rob holdings at a good age where if he said to the club, okay, now I'm ready to go. I know I just said Turner shouldn't do that, but if he's been here long enough, he's been a staple. I agree. He's a great locker room presence, but he could probably start uh, another premier league team maybe a little lower on the table. Well, definitely lower on the table. It can't be much higher than us, right? Um, but <laughs> I, I think he could find another team and create pretty good value for them. And I think we could collect some money in that as well. So I think there's an opportunity there. As you said, if someone gives you the right offer, I think we should sell them. If not, I, I, I love him, and I'm always good to have a presence like him. So if we get an offer, sell. If not, Holding yeah. him is fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Well played. Yeah, well played. I think I just kind of going off what you said, I agree. And I also, I also just don't see holding like going to Arteta and being like, I want out of this squad, especially after, like you said earlier, the season that we're having. But yeah, either could go either way on this one for sure. Yeah. I think for him, it's, He's so connected with everyone. I mean, he brings a lot of the value to the club that Arteta wants. And 
and he's done it for so long, maybe he is happy to stay. Uh, I'm just like, he sees probably his best friend on the team, Caleb Chambers leave, go to Aston Villa and actually get some game time there. Not, he's not starting every game, but I just, a Brighton could maybe use him. They don't really need him right now, but he can play some possession soccer. Uh, they play a three back. Uh, there's, I think there will be opportunities for him if he really wants to. But, uh, yeah, as you said, if people throw money at you, you got to look at opportunities to reinvest in the squad, and that might be one that you take. Speaking of throwing money at you, that's going to lead us to our next one, someone who's been linked with Newcastle who, no doubt, they have some money, and that is Kieran Tierney, who also got on the score sheet today with, him, with that assist we mentioned earlier. What do you guys think about that? I know we've talked about how much we love him, but is it time to cash in on that? We know he wants to be playing 90 minutes every week, probably twice a week. So what are you guys' thoughts on on Kieran Tierney? I personally would love to keep him around, but I respect him, and, and if he wants to go play, then can't hold a player back from that. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that is a situation especially with how Wells and Chanko's played, where you could make probably significant amount of money, especially if you're selling him to a Premier League rival and it's Newcastle, who has all the money in the world now. I'm looking for 50 to get rid of him. Um, I, I hope they could get that, but that's an opportunity too. If someone's going to throw money at you, he can get his playing time that he wants. I think it's a really good fit for Newcastle and their system. And it's an opportunity for us to reinvest again and maybe get a more technical player like Zinchenko who could fill in when Zinchenko's gone. I don't know who that is. I don't know what they would look for, but I do think that is definitely a rumor that has come up a lot and very well could happen. Well, we don't have to sell. I think he's yeah. under contract until 2026. Yeah. So you have plenty of time on that. I think it's more so down to player attitude there if if he really wants to force his way out that he might he I don't might think be he would to. but he probably has had discussions with Mikel like hey I will I want to be playing but he's not one who's going to ever let his attitude affect his actual play for us this year and I'm sure he's still busting ass every practice I mean comes in delivers today I don't think his attitude You're right I meant force his way out in the most respectful yeah. way possible Yes Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Politely we'll ask. Just have a nice conversation. Politely ask, yes. Yeah. All right, that leads us to our midfielders. Honestly, not a whole lot going on here. I think that there's probably going to be a whole lot of continuity there. Maybe bring in some some players as well, but are there any midfielders you think need to be chopped, changed, anything whatsoever? Jaka, Jorginho, Mo, Party, Odegaard, Vieira? I think they'll all be here. Um Mo is hurt, and they already extended him for another year, which is great job by the club. Take care of your players. Um, I'm here at the Shaka's. There's talks of a new contract for him, and uh, yeah, I think Jorginho is a, a solid backup to party. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much change there. Maybe bring someone in. I don't know. Oh, uh, there's Lukonga. I, I think it's dependent on on if you bring someone in, then maybe yeah. you have have the ability to let Jorginho go back to Italy or or something yeah. like that. But 
without right. any incomings, I don't think you can afford to lose any of those players. Yeah, I think you lose Lakonga uh, for sure. I don't think he'll be around. Um, and then, yeah, as he said, I mean, we've been rumored with Declan Rice. So if Declan Rice came in or something, I, someone from that group is probably leaving besides Lakonga. Um, I don't know who Jorginho is probably the most likely candidate, but yeah, I agree without an incoming and I, that might not change at all. Nothing, Sam, nothing. All good. All right. That moves us on to our attackers. This is where it becomes a bit more interesting. Trissard just, just purchased been immense. As we mentioned, probably nothing doing there. Jesus, the same Smith Rowe, the same. He's under contract forever. Um, any concerns about him, though, in, in movement? No. 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 Arsenal through and I through. Mean, yeah, and he missed basically. He's missed basically the whole season. Let's be honest. These minutes, seven minutes a day, that's nothing. He's missed almost the whole season, and he knows it's down to fitness issues. And he's back now. He had the surgery. Hopefully, that'll take care of the long-standing fitness issues. And that's a player who can really help us. If he's fit and rearing to go, like he could be next the start of next season, he had he was second leading goal scorer last season. Um, there's opportunities to get him in the midfield. There's opportunities to get him at the wing. There's, there's he's got a, there's a lot of versatility in that player, and I don't think he's leaving. I think Mikel really likes him. It just comes down to fitness. Yeah, I agree. It's just a bit unfortunate, too. Um, I think he'll definitely be looking back on this season wanting to have played a much bigger part. Um, but, yeah, with the injury record and everything, you know, hopefully he can get that straightened away um, and, you know, help us repeat next year. Certainly. Certainly, certainly. Uh, Martinelli, not much to discuss. Just pinned that deal. Saka agreed in principle. So the club's intentions with him are, are obvious. I think... Now where it boils down to a bit more would be a one Reese Nelson, who we mentioned yesterday, if Arsenal go on to win the league, we're probably going to get Reese Nelson jerseys because of that contribution against Bournemouth. But what do you guys think about, about Reese? He's out of contract in the summer. He stated that he would like to stay at Arsenal and continue to fight. What do you think? What do you think we do for, for Reese Nelson time? Yeah, I mean, he every chance he's got this season, especially in the Premier League, he's looked incredible and made an impact. And if that's something he's willing to, I mean, it's a tall task with all the people we've got um, that can play in that front line. But if he's up for that battle and up to push um, whoever's starting at the current time, I'd say, why not keep him? But also, um, given the brightness that he's shown, I think maybe... Um, there might be some people looking at him with some value that they want to add to their team. And I think he might be able to get incentivized into doing something whenever you're, you know, guaranteed or said to be guaranteed more consistent minutes. So I think it's kind of a toss up to see if anything comes in really. Yeah, I would agree too. Um, I, if he stays, I'd be okay with it. I think he, there's quite a few players ahead of him that could, that he is not going to get as many minutes as maybe he would like, but he has contributed this season in big ways. He had another game earlier in the season where he comes in, bags two goals. Um, so I, he can definitely help. He's shown signs that he can help. Um, if we win the title, he's going to have a major moment in this season. So I, he could, he, 
if he stays, he stays, and I'm okay with it. I do think a winger is an opportunity where we can invest some money um, as a backup to Saka, so he's not playing every game. And if it takes you a higher level than what Nelson can give you, that's something you have to look at. We're going to have Champions League games where Saka is going to want to be playing three times a week. He's going to want to be playing both weekend games. He's going to be playing midweek. So he might get injured. You don't know. I just – that one I, th- I think is almost entirely up to what Reese Nelson wants. It's because his contract's coming out or coming down. There's rumors that he wants to resign. So I don't know. I think it's just completely up to him and how much time, game time, he really wants. Speaking of game time and moving moving forward to the next discussion, we'll, we'll group these two together because I think game time is hinging on each of their decisions and the decisions the club makes with them. But Eddie and Eddie and Ketia and the emergent Flo, Flo Balligan from who's just having an incredible season in, in league and where do you guys stand on them? What do you want the club to do? What do you think the club will do in regards to those two players? That's it's such a hard choice. <laughs> um, it's, it's such a difficult decision. And I think actually this, this one was specifically asked on our blog, our blog last week. And Andrew didn't even want to answer it. He's like, ah, there's too much going on in the season right now. I won't answer this yet, but I, I think you'll, you have to assess them in the summer. Um, you know what the players that you have, you know what both bring. You might be looking at if you get an offer for one or both of them, if there's, uh, you're not looking to sell either of them, but if an offer comes in that you can't refuse, I think you might have to take it. Flo can play on the wing, has shown ability to do that he could be an inside forward similar to what martinelli does he's having a great season i again the when we talk about being in champions league you have to look at uh, how much you might have to rotate and how much players are will have an opportunity and like like you said with smith rowe smith rowe's not like if i saw smith rowe in a champions league lineup i'd be like the i would have no worries at all that he's playing i know what he brings to the team um it there's some positions where you might have drop-offs. Like if Nelson was starting over Saka in a Champions League game, you're a little more anxious. So you have to weigh all those things. I, I don't know which one I'd sell, to be completely honest. I think Balogun has probably a better game suited to Arsenal style with his footwork and what he can do on the ball. I think Eddie brings something that no one else on the team brings. So I don't know. What I, I'd love to hear what you guys think. You might sway me one way or the other. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it definitely depends on the offers and stuff that comes in for both of them. But like you said, I think if if money that's off put on the table for either one of those guys, and that will allow us to add more experience, more people that we're comfortable with rotating into those bigger games, because I don't know if um, we'd be comfortable with either of those two being a starter and, and some big games for us right now. Um, compared to our other options. So I think if if money brought in for them can allow us to add some additional experience, um, I think it's something that the club will definitely have to heavily consider. But at the moment, it's hard for me to go against Balogun or Enkedia just because Eddie's played a big part in this season so far and Balogun's just, you know, shining in Ligue 1. So 
um, yeah, I, I'm on the fence of either way, and it'll probably come down to the deals that are offered for each of them. I think I'm in agreement with both of you that you don't know until you see what, what money is available if there are offers. One thing I think you can reasonably claim, though, would be that Balogun is a much more, how do I put this? He fits much more into the Gabriel Jesus Trissard mold than than Eddie does as well. So I think it sort of also depends on what Mikel wants in his backup striker. Does he want contrast in play styles so we can switch things up, which it doesn't seem to me like he, he ever does. He wants to play our game, the same game, no matter the opponent. So in that case, I would probably pip Balgan to be a better better suited for, for the backup position because it'd be a more seamless transition into into the play style as where Eddie is he's he's in, he's effective in the box and in the channels and and that's I don't want to say that's it but he's probably behind Balkan when it comes to link up and and on the ball prowess so I don't know it's it's a hard one I think if the money is is there for the taking you might have to go and take it as long as it's it's a decent sum you don't want it to be given away either of these players for free because they've got so much upside their homegrown positions in the squad so yep i i'm i'm still on the fence and i think it's one one of those where you have to wait and see see what is available you know in this market they might both be 100 million dollar players yeah about right no about right i, I mean the more good productive thing is than not, anthony yeah but the good thing is we're not we're in a good position with those guys too where we're not like we don't have to sell if we don't want to um, no, both sort of, just signed new deals. So yeah, and so it, it really comes down to what what you are offered or what you're looking for, or what the player is looking for, um, and I'm sure they're in constant conversation. I like I like Balligan a lot. I've liked him for a while, um, as a lot of people have, and he's could potentially come around and play for us. Fingers crossed. That'd be huge. So um, I I just <laughs> I just think they offer. Uh, a lot to the team and you know what a discussion that we could have had last year was we had no depth whatsoever so it's good to have this conversation now um, about all these different players that we now have a year on how much depth we've created in just one season well michael's over here reading my mind and and stealing my transition but speaking of Balogun and the united states and arsenal all in one podcast we we do an injustice not to mention Tyrion Henry's comments on Paramount Plus this week. It's doing Champions League coverage. Talks about how he wants to get back in management and and states that he would be interested in, in the United States vacancy that's open right now. Obviously, you would think that that would, would reel in some, some quality players who might be more interested in playing with Thierry Henry at the helm instead of Greg with two Gs. So what do you guys think about that? That his him saying that I know that there have been some question marks over his managerial past, but I don't think he too, did too bad when he was with Montreal. He got him to the playoffs and then stepped down because he wanted to see his family. You can't can't really blame him for that during the pandemic. So does that excite you guys, or or how do you think that would go? Is it oh, is yeah. it a possibility at all? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility, and I think 
for the USA, a definitely a growing program. I think there is a lot of upside to um, signing a manager that is a legend in his own right as a player um, and with a little bit of managerial experience. And like you said, might be able to bring in some and attract some talent to the U.S. national team to continue the growth that they've been experiencing in the past uh, couple of years. So I would definitely be really excited about it and would love to see him manage the U.S. Not only a an Arsenal legend, a European legend, but came to the MLS and did it for quite a few years as well and, and really helped grow the league. So he's managing the MLS. He's played in the MLS. He knows the United States. He knows knows the type of play that and the type of players we produce. So yeah, Beckett, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I would love it. Um and as you said, yeah, maybe we can attract some talent, pull Balligan in. You know, those guys have talked before. Um so I yeah, I think that'd be a huge opportunity. And what what a way to benefit our attacking players when we're hardly scoring goals sometimes. So um, I think he can offer a lot to improve attacking players output. And especially if you bring in a Balogun or even with the strikers we have, he can help them get used to how, like, or teach them how to use their body better. Um, get yourself better in uh, scoring positions. He's a natural born scorer. He can, he can do a lot of things for our squad, and I would love to have him. Would you rather play for one of the best players, best strikers of all time, or would you rather get bounce passes for your throw-ins? I don't know. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, 100%. I don't think we've hit in our anti-Greg Berhalter biases on this podcast ever. But, yeah, what a what a boost for not only the U.S. team, but – soccer in the u.s in general to have someone of that quality and that pedigree at the helm and and leading the team into games i don't think they're going to make any decisions on that until the summer anyway they're kind of going to let it roll out um, and get some some other management positions within the organization filled out before they go after a manager but still something to keep an eye on and and something to be hopeful for that the u.s could even attract a coach like that i know klinsman is probably the highest pedigree coach we've had. And and I think the game grew under him drastically in the States. So being able to pull in someone else like that might be might be really, really, really beneficial for, for all soccer in America. I, I I just think at the end of the day, I don't think I don't think Bear Halter I don't think it was bad. I don't think he was a bad coach for us. Um, I think at the end of the day, we did some good things under him. Uh, stylistically, they played closer to what I would like to see us play. I don't think we got all the way there, and we certainly there were hiccups and things that didn't go right for us, and we could hardly score a goal. Um, there's problems there. You also, I don't think you can bring him back after everything that's happened, so you definitely need to replace your coach anyway. And we're hosting the World Cup, so I think you you need to go big. You need a, a name, a, a big coach that can attract, one, players, two, fans, um, for your hosting of the World Cup. So Thierry's definitely going to be up there. Um, before this, I in, had a dream that maybe Ancelotti would come, which is a pipe dream. I'm sure he's getting offers from a lot of people. 
Um, I just, you just don't know. Um, his contract will be up with Real Madrid. I think there will be options, and I don't think they should go with um, MLS coach. I just don't think that they should do that. I think they need to go out and try and get the best possible coach that they can and not just settle for looking in the domestic market. Um, when Klinsman was the coach, he brought a lot of uh, multinational players into the program and made a lot of progress, as you just said, to what the U.S. national team could be. And I think that a bigger name, Thierry Henry, whoever it is, would continue that progress. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. So, again, one to keep an eye on and one to cross your fingers and and be hopeful for. With that being said, are you guys ready to move on to the best segment of the week? Our weekly wanker. I will do the honors going first, just so none of you guys take my wanker. Sweet. This week's weekly wanker, as nominated by myself, is none other than Kai Havertz. Um, if you guys didn't watch the Chelsea game over the weekend against Everton, Chelsea's at home. They get a penalty in the 70th minute, tied 1-1. Kai Havertz dispatches it. Rather coolly, I must admit that, but it's his actions afterwards that that are the cause of this weekly wanker. He proceeds to sort of mock and taunt Jordan Pickford as he runs runs to the, towards the corner to celebrate. Obviously, I'm not I I'm not a huge hater of shithousery, and I think there's a time and a place, but going up one goal in the 77th minute is not that time. And I just absolutely love that it comes to bite them in the ass and they end up getting a draw out of that game. And afterwards, Graham Potter comes out and in the post-match interview is forced to, to address that and kind of give them a slap on the wrist saying, I don't think we need to involve the opposition in our celebrations at all. I don't, I don't see a need for it. And, all that does is stir up, stir the pot, and, and get those guys even more excited and amped than they already were, having gone down. So, weekly anchor Kai Havertz, well done, mate. Don't do it again. If you do, you'll end up right back here, hopefully, because you'll drop some more points. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, I'm gonna go with the uh, familiar from myself this season. A lot of my weekly anchors have been. Uh, Manchester United related, and I'm going to stay in that ballpark. And I'm going to go ahead and give my weekly wanker to Eric Seven Hog. Um, man's out here talking about why Manchester United are so far off the top of the table this year and how their performances aren't what they have been because he's only had his team available for so many games, including their problems with injuries, which other teams have had suspensions which are his own players faults why why is it anyone else's fault but Casemiro that he's gotten two red cards this season <laughs> that's abysmal so I it, the man's just making up excuses and then goes on to say that oh look at Arsenal their squad's always available not only is that false he also immediately gave us bad jujus Saliba and Tomiyasu get hurt in the first 25 minutes of the next game man this Voldemort-looking motherfucker needs to just get the fuck out of here and worry about his own team and trying to get them to perform because they're currently 19 points off the top of the table. 
Sorry to interrupt, but they are also currently down 1-0 to Fulham in the FA Cup. So, march on Fulham. Hell yeah. And 19 points off the top of the table, down to Fulham. And all he can talk about is, what do you know, Arsenal's availability. Man, get over yourself. you got Bruno Fernandes as your captain flailing all over the place. Hey, shout out the Fulham fans sitting next to us at the SVL City game last night, too. Big ups to you. Hopefully you come away with the with the the progression in the FA Cup today. And also shout out STL City. I know Morgan doesn't like when I talk about it on the pod. She thinks we should keep it separate, but record-breaking 4-0. First team, expansion team to start their season 4-0. So shout out them as well. Electric atmosphere last night, even though it was freezing cold. Hopefully we can keep that going as well. And Keep the money train too. I'm I'm four for four on these bets, man. They might be the only team I can ever bet on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First shout out for Beckett's birthday too. You you can't beat it. I mean, what a night in St. Louis. Yeah, it was a great time. I had a lot of fun. Both games have been electric so far. All right. All right. Yeah, for my weekly wanker, I'm going to go back to the old sporting game, and I don't know the name of the ref, but the ref that called the foul on that Fabio Vieira chip or trip was the, one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And if I, I just can't believe that was ever called because I don't even think he got touched. And then uh, after the trip goes down, and we get a free kick in a decently dangerous area, so. I don't know if he just blinked or what, but you, you cannot be having that when you're a professional referee. Where he trips over his own leg. He trips over his yeah. own leg. Yeah, and then we get a free kick from like 35 yards out and put one in the box. It's like you, you can't do that as a referee. Ted is just wagging his finger the whole time. He's like, oh, I didn't think that was a foul. <laughs> yeah, no. I think Fabio Vera even looked a little like embarrassed when he had to go take that free kick. He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I don't think he expected. Well, I should mean, we just give this back to their goalie right now? Okay. <laughs> just pass this out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, honorable mentions for me as well. Can't remember if we mentioned on the Bournemouth podcast, but the whole Bournemouth team could could take weekly wanker as well because they're I guess were we tied at this point? I can't exactly remember, but they have a guy go down injured when they win the ball in their half. They proceed to play out and start a counterattack, right? We nullify it in our box and then proceed to start our own counterattack and they get all pissed that we don't put the ball out because their guy's still down and end up slamming Martin Odegaard with a foul frustrated that we didn't put it out it's like you can't you can't play and then expect the other team not to play just because your guy's down like that's a little hypocritical uh and but they got what was coming to them and second honorable mention for weekly wanker is just all of tottenham hotspur you go up 3-1 in the second half to the team at the bottom of the premier league and then lose two points because you concede a terrible penalty in the last stoppage time uh, and then you have your coach go out and just call out the whole entire organization, team, ownership, everyone, calling him out and saying, this is just the standard. We, there's no, there's a reason why we don't win anything because we suck as an organization, which is just just awesome as well. And I don't like Antonio Conte. I, I don't make no – I don't try to hide that at all, but just hilarious, hilarious Lovely. that, Lovely that he goes into that. that. Yeah. 
He would have been mine. I mean, it was like a four-minute rant after one question. Yeah. He talked for like four straight minutes, just venting. It was scathing, <laughs> too. He should have been mine, but I had already told you guys I was going with Eric Seven Hog because he's just an idiot. But I also have an honorable mention as well. I kind of forgot about it a little bit. It was Monday. So Everton played Brentford, and Everton got the win. But it's uh, all the rave this season about how much teams are time-wasting and we talked about it when we played Everton. I, I I saw three replays and Sean Dyche take a drink of water before they took t- took a goal kick. But Tom Davies came on as a sub in the 80th minute. And at one point in the last 10, 15 minutes, however much was added time, Tom Davies went down with a cramp to time waste. He had been on the field from at the 80th minute. And he was cramping. The medical team had to come out onto the field for his cramp. <laughs> like he got a, a stretch and I was just like, come on, man. If you can't last five minutes in the Premier League, you don't need to be playing in the Premier League. But so <laughs> that's an honorable mention. He's definitely a wanker. And so is uh, Everton and Sean Dyche. <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't even catch that. But also I think it's worth noting that Ansley Maiden Niles was the one to win the free kick that or the penalty that uh, allowed South Southampton to complete the comeback. So shout out ex Arsenal player. Gotta love that. Um coming Boy, back current Spurs. still. Current still, isn't he? He's on loan. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So yeah, we yeah, yeah, we yeah. didn't really mention him, but speaking of versatility, he came in at center back in that game. He just played so, center back, yeah. So maybe and something Theo to had a goal and an assist. Yes. Everybody, yes, yes. All the Arsenal players contributing to Spurs' downfall. And Awobi looks looked pretty nice against Chelsea as well. I mean, really good progressive ball carrier in the middle of the park. He, he does his defensive shift and breaks stuff up. So nice to see these ex-Arsenal guys taking points off off direct rivals. You love you love to see that. So. All right, does that about do it for us? You think? Yeah. I'm, yes, uh... sir. Well, we've got a an international break before our next game, which we take on Leeds. So, hopefully, there's some time to digest, to to resettle, and and to really focus on this final push that we're about to have with these last ten games. Hopefully, we end the season with 99 points. I know that's that might be a bit of a stretch, and we have a little wiggle room, but just one game at a time, three points after three points after three points. And hopefully we're celebrating against Wolves on that final day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And while we got this inner law, we might have to, although Morgan doesn't want it, we might have to just do a little St. Louis City minor uh, pod just while we have not a lot of Arsenal football going on, international games. But at some point, you got to talk about a team that's invincible right now. There's the oh, yes. personal. It's not that she doesn't want us to talk about it. It's that she doesn't want them to be merged together. She wants she wants differentiated pods. Arsenal and then City. Maybe we do a mini City episode. Or maybe we just start a different one. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I was not there or present for her appointment on our board of directors and where this <laughs> podcast is going. But yes, yes, it's hard. It's hard not to talk about a team that is undefeated. 
we talk she's about she's a creative consultant Arsenal. she's a creative consultant we uh we talk about other teams all the time this one's just closer to home so they get their mentions but i know, will yeah, say out on that vote too I will say I've asked her multiple times to become a contributor by asking our inaugural question, like the first question from a viewer. I don't think we've ever gotten one, which is a little disheartening. Um, she's refused to do it so far. So maybe once she does that. We've asked questions on Jake's behalf. Jake, yeah, that's true. Jake's asked some. Brady's But behalf. I'm talking about sending some in to the, yeah. to the Gmail, which is a nice plug. Guys, make sure you follow our – Instagram, TikTok, and if you have questions, send them in to Google at canonsidechats at gmail.com. Canonsidechats on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Or slide it to our DMs in all the right places. Yeah, Beckett really needs that these days. All right. We will catch you guys next week. Hopefully we have updates on another SCL City win, some international performances for some of our guys going on a trip and maybe we'll get a little insight on Beckett's dating life. We'll see if there are any developments there. So stay tuned for that. Without further ado, we'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace. See ya.